You are listening to the Movie Cheer Podcast. The best place for movie topics and blockbuster discussions. Welcome to Movie Cheer Town. Welcome to the Movie Cheer Podcast, the show for movie fans. I am your host, AP, aka Mr. Movie Cheer, and on today's episode of the Movie Cheer Pod, it will be a headline topic of the best 1998 movies. That's right, we're going to take a, a step back in time again, but this time we're going to the 90s, and I'm going to be looking at four movies from the year 90. 1998. Uh, this is one of those episodes where it could easily be a round one, a round two, a round three episode. I'm sure later down the line I will do a round two of 1998 movies, but I picked out four today which I've really enjoyed watching and I think they're really good to discuss. So that'll be today's headline topic best movies of 1998. But before I get to today's headline topic uh, of today's show, as always, um, before the you know, before I start off any show, I start off with a segment called Not So Worthy Blockbuster Housekeeping. This is the part of the show where I discuss what's going on with the channel and discuss what's going on with the, the blog. And it's just a general easing and chit-chat for the rest of the show. So, first of all, uh, what's been going on in Movie Cheer Town this week? I'm not so worthy blockbuster housekeeping. Um, first of all, the latest video this week on Thursday, uh, a new video, another what I've been watching in the movie collection video, the second one. Uh, this is going to be a continuous series, I suppose, over the next couple of months, where I just discuss... Uh, which movies I've been, you know, watching recently from the collection behind me. I picked out six of those movies that I'd been watching recently, and it was fun. It was fun just going over them and just doing a kind of a deeper dive, because obviously on this show I'm discussing different movies I've watched throughout the week, uh, but it's cool just to discuss which ones, you know, just get a big stack of movies out and say, you know, I've been watching these, discussing what I've enjoyed, more about them, and it's fun that you look, it's a movie channel, I like discussing movies, <laughs> um, what else has been going on, uh, latest blog post on moviecheerpodcast.com, uh, I've done a recent blog post on the movie The Lighthouse, this was a movie directed by the guy who directed the, the what's it, what was it called, the, the Northman movie, so his first movie he directed was The Lighthouse, and Basically, watching on, I'm on a bit of a kick of Robert Pattinson movies at the moment. After obviously the Batman coming out this year, uh, watching the Good Time movie the other week, and I watched the Lighthouse as well. It's a very, uh, it's a really good movie, very interesting movie, very bizarre movie. Uh, I think the title of that blog post this past week is "Weird Things Happen at This Weird Things Happen at This Lighthouse," and basically, the movie stars Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And it's very much like these, it's set in like, I think it's set in like the, the 1820s or something like that. It's like set like a very long time ago. These two men, like an, an, an elder lightsman, uh, light, uh, lighthouse sort of um, worker, uh, lighthouse keeper, that's the word I was looking for. And then you get this young guy coming in, Robert Patterson character, for work on this lighthouse. And it's just very, you know, you're not really sure what's really going on sometimes, and you think you may be sussing out what's going on, but it's just a very odd movie, but it's a very interesting movie, I think it's, I say it's got like them vibes of like a, of a fight club at times, it's got them sort of vibes to it, um, where you're just kind of not sure, like, it's same like an Inception, you're not really sure what's going on 
with it, but it's a really interesting movie. I did find some of the scenes quite heavy, I'll be honest, and I, I'm not really used to them sort of like scenes where it's a bit, you know, violence and heavy uh, nature of a, of a movie's content. I, it did have that, I'll be honest with you. So if you're a bit squeamish, maybe it's not for you. Uh, I found like I got through it, but there was definitely moments where I thought, wow, that's a, that's a bit heavy, some of the scenes there. But it's really an interesting movie. I think if you can handle it, watch it. It's a really interesting watch, The Lighthouse. Uh, that's what's been on the blog post this past week. Uh, I've been filming some more videos. So basically, at the end of next month, I'm going to be taking a little short uh, planned break from YouTube again. I do this every three months now just to just to chill out for a few weeks, not you know do any content, just to take a break. I think always taking a break is good. So I'll be doing that at the end of the next month. I'll, I'll let you all know when it's like the final video for a while. Uh, but I've been filming basically all the Thursday video content up to to the end of like this month and next month. So I'm all done for Thursday's videos up up until the end of point where I'm going to take a break at the end of next month. And yeah, I've been filming more movie curator shelf club videos. Really enjoying them at the moment, and um, they've been fun to do. And there's obviously there's going to be a few more videos in between. I'll probably film when things crop up on new little ideas for, for videos. Uh, but yeah, um, I had a really productive week on filming content, filming like a month's worth of content this past week. It's good to get ahead of the game, I find, with doing YouTube, um, just to get them videos stacked up, and it just makes you... I feel like sometimes you can then like put out better videos when you know you haven't got to like rush and make a video sometimes. So it's always good to get ahead of the game. Uh, so that's what's been going on. I, Patreon-wise, this coming Monday, there will be another bonus podcast coming up on Patreon. Uh, you can join Patreon for less than a uh, for $1 minimum. Uh, it's just loads of bonus content. If you like what you're seeing here on the Movie Cheer Podcast main YouTube channel and you want a bit more content, it's there if you want it. Don't feel like you have to have it, but it's there. You can come and go as you please when it comes to Patreon, which is cool. Uh, another big thing this week, though, I have been... Finishing, I finished the movie watch list, what I put together last year. It's kind of took me longer than I thought it would to watch the first 10 movies because I've been watching other things in between. But uh, finally finished watching Akira. Akira, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It sounds like in the movie they pronounce it Akira. Uh, I watched the English dub of it. I didn't watch the the, the one with the subtitles because I, I just sometimes I do struggle just to concentrate Watch the English dub of that. I feel like I'm not going to discuss it in full that that movie on today's video. I feel like that's a movie that really deserves to have a full video. And maybe one one week on the movie cheer pod, just do a full video uh, dedicated to discussing Akira, uh, Akira, however you pronounce it. Um, it's an interesting movie. I'll say that for sure. Is it one of my favorite animes? I wouldn't say, but I feel like it's, I feel like with Akira, first of all, the animation is great, you know, stunning animation. I feel like it's a movie I need to watch a few times to really grasp the the story elements, the plot, the characters, and I I didn't dislike it. It was kind of, I'm still like on the fence on it. I'm on the fence. I didn't think it was the world's best movie, but I didn't think it was, was awful. Um, I feel like it's one where... Maybe after a few watches, it probably becomes my favorite movie of all time. I don't know. Maybe maybe it doesn't. Um, it just feels like a movie I need to give a few more watches to. A few more viewing sessions. And I mean, let me know if you've watched Akira. What are your thoughts on that movie? Do you feel like very similar thoughts to myself where you feel like it maybe 
first watch i mean i remember watching it years ago and just couldn't get it and then i, I maybe i didn't watch it all and i didn't give it enough time watched it all and it's like it's, it's over two hours this movie it's definitely like i said it's an interesting watch and it's one i would definitely like to give a second view and a third view into just the graspings a bit more and try and understand the story and get us a full <laughs> complete like like outlay of what's going on with things you know like un- un- an understanding of what's going on with things more um but yeah it, i've watched that so i'm going to be updating my movie watch list of 10 movies uh, that need to go on that list obviously i've got the big reserve list where if anyone recommends movies it goes in that reserve list so when i finish the main list then i get to pick out some more of their movies uh, from the movie cheer town community which is awesome so i'll be doing that this week but anyway uh, that's not so worthy blockbuster housekeeping for this week over and done with let's move on to the headline topic of today's show So, 1998 movies, the best movies of 1998. I've got four movies to discuss, ladies and gents, a very varied bunch for today's headline topic. Uh, So, let's deep dive into this. Let's go for it. The first movie I'm going to discuss is the movie Wild Things, uh, released in March of 1998. This movie stars Kevin Bacon, Neve Campbell, uh, Matt Dillon, Denise Richards, and Bill Murray. And this is a thriller. The genre is like a thriller, this movie. And basically, the the premise of this movie is Matt Dillon's character, who is this counsellor at this school, uh, is accused of sexual crimes against against a student, against two students, Denise Richards' character and Neve Campbell. Uh, I won't get into spoiler territory with this movie because I feel like if you've not watched this before, or maybe you've not watched in a while, the twists and turns in this movie, uh, I wouldn't want to spoil it, so I won't get into spoiler territory, but he basically, he gets accused of crimes pretty early on in this movie, Matt Dillon's character, but the way they show it, they don't really show the crime, so you're kind of not sure whether he is guilty of the crime, or whether he is innocent of the crime, and it kind of like, it goes fades to black, and then you're kind of like left to wonder whether he's guilty or not, and... It is a very, very good movie. Uh, but I will say, kind of like maybe like 30, 40 minutes and maybe the first part of the movie, the first act, it felt very like generic. It wasn't bad, but it felt like I, I've seen this sort of movie before. It's like a whodunit and the mystery. And you, it felt obvious. And then it just took twists and turns, this movie, where I just didn't see them coming. And I was just surprised. And then I kind of, I was like, let's scratch my previous thought. This movie is, it's, you know, it's a surprise because you don't realize, you think one thing's happening and then something completely out of the blue happens. And it really is a really, really decent movie. As thrillers go, I think it's a really decent movie. Good cast. Um, Kevin Bacon in there, Bill Murray. Bill Murray plays the the lawyer of of Matt Dillon's character, the the counselor. I think Neve Campbell and Denise Richards. Neve Campbell, obviously, a lot of people would know from the Scream series. Uh, Denise Richards, she was one of the Bond girls, wasn't she? I think in one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. They both play really good roles in this as well. Really well-constructed movie. But I, th- I think it's a a really decent movie. And it's one I'd heard of over the years, but I never got around to watching. I'm glad uh, they got this like 4K release coming soon. So I heard about it more recently. I thought, let's give this movie a watch. And I'm glad I watched it. It was um, 
Definitely not a movie that is suitable for children. I would say the the sexual scenes in this movie are definitely not suitable for kids. Um, but it, what is also interesting with this movie at the end of the movie, and don't don't miss on the end credits. The end credits of this movie basically fill in a lot of the gaps because you kind of get to the end of this story and you're like, what have, what have I just watched here? <laughs> what have I just watched? The twists and turns, and you're like, I can't believe this happened. And you get to the end of the movie and the end credits of, well, definitely the version I watched, it must be on all the theatrical cuts, I'm, I'm pretty sure. It shows all like, of the in-between moments of what's going on. So, for instance, like I said, where the actual crime happens, uh, the, where, the, where he was accused of the crime, anyway, um, it blacks out, it fades to black, and in this scene it kind of shows all of the en events in between them scenes that you don't see. And the end credits really shine a further light on this movie and like kind of show a lot more. And it's kind of interesting to watch. And it's good the way they've done it at the end credits. This movie as well, surprisingly, has three direct-to-DVD sequels. I don't think any of the sequels have any of the original casting by the looks of it. They all seem like just random um, takes on this movie and trying to redo this movie in some way, shape or form. I don't think I'd watch the other ones. I don't think... It, let me know. If you've watched the pre, the sequels to Wild Things, let me know. Are they any good? But this one is a really good movie. Um, I really like the setting of this movie. I like the, the characters. I think the cast is really solid. And I think it's a really gripping story. I think when you get to a certain point, it just sucks you in this movie uh, to all the twists and turns of what's going on with this. And you think it's going one way and it'll just send you a completely other way for sure, this movie. But that is Wild Things, the first 1998 movie I want to discuss. Let's move on to the next movie of 1998, and we go now to a June release, a movie released in June, and the movie is The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey, it also stars Ed Harris as well in the... Uh, this is like a comedy drama movie, The Truman Show, and a very... Very different movie from what you would have seen with Jim Carrey and the likes of Dumb and Dumber. Um, a lot of his other comedies, like The Mask. It is a very much um, going into this drama side. And I think Jim Carrey does it really well. You see, I've seen it in like uh, Man on the Moon is a very different movie and a very dramatic movie. And he really is shows his performance in these type of movies. And Eternal Sunshine was another one like that. So Truman Show, basically the premise of this story is... It's set in the world of like reality TV. Reality TV is like in a boom. This is like, like I said, 1998 movie, but reality TV is coming in. And basically what happens, this young kid is adopted by like a TV station. And he, this young kid, Truman, played by Jim Carrey, lives his life on camera. And he doesn't know he is part of a TV show, The Truman Show. So he has lived up, he's like in his 20s, his 30s. All his life, his life has been filmed to the outside world, and he's living in this on this set, this location, this small island that he can't leave. And they put like the, the you know they put like big river tides coming up against him, so he can't leave this island. They do like fires on the road, so he can't leave, make him sort of like paranoid about leaving the place. And he, it's a really, really good story. I really, I've watched this years ago. Watched it, and I've really, it's one movie I've always enjoyed watching the Truman Show and. He comes to realization within this story, basically, that he, you know, something's not right, and he starts to see 
little things like he starts to see the film crews in elevators and he's he comes to real the realization you know that he he is in a tv show he realizes it and it's kind of about him the discovery of him being in a tv show and that the world he is in is not real and you know him wanting to escape and basically go to the real world and it is an absolutely fascinating movie like i said jim carrey absolutely solid performance and there's ed harris plays the creator of the tv show so he's kind of like god within this movie he's in the background all the time he's got he's kind of like god and he's like a like the father he feels like he's like a fatherly figure to truman even though he has never met truman in person basically and it's it's a really interesting story and like i said he 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 plays it's like a comedy but it's more of like a drama you know you feel you feel sad for this guy, even though there is like comedy moments in this, but it's not like a dumb and dumber. It's not like jokes, laugh out loud. Um, but it's a really very good story, very well put together movie, well-constructed movie. And yeah, I, I think this is a sort of movie that I I can see being made in like to a TV adaption at some, t- some point in the future. I would actually wouldn't mind it. I think like a sequel wouldn't work. A reboot for me just wouldn't be, wouldn't make any. It wouldn't make any sense to do a reboot of this movie or a remake. I think if anything, I would do a TV show reboot. Just to, I think it would be interesting to see a TV show and just to fill in more details. And you could go into even more detail. And maybe it doesn't have to be a Truman show. It could be another. Maybe they get another kid who was in this reality show model and brought up in under the on the screen. Like, but I think it's weird. I imagine. It's kind of like, you, you think like now with social media and kids and adults, there's there's cameras everywhere, everyone's got a Facebook and Instagram account. It wouldn't surprise me in this day and age that this becomes a thing in the future where like a kid is adopted into a TV network and or by a social media thing or we get something like this. It just feels like a bit, it feels on the nose with what we are seeing that people just put way too much stuff on social media and everything is filmed now. And it feels like this is just like, you look at this and it's like, this is this could be what we see in the future. Really, it feels like that sometimes watching this. I don't know if you feel the same. I feel like it's it's very much, I'm looking at this and I see the themes and I'm just like, wow, this is a really smart movie. Really smart. But um, Truman Show, another 1998 really good movie. And now let's move on to the third movie of today's headline topic, ladies and gents. The third movie I want to discuss is Lethal Weapon 4, uh, the fourth movie in the Lethal Weapon franchise starring Mel Gibson and um, and Don, uh, Danny Glover as well as Riggs and Murtov. The two cops is a buddy cop, you know, comedy, drama, uh, Lethal Weapon. And I will say I'm a big, big fan of the Lethal Weapon franchise uh, the first couple of movies are definitely my favourite. This probably isn't my favourite Lethal Weapon movie, but I still think it's a decent movie. And it's kind of like a sign-off, this movie, for a lot of the characters in a way. It feels like a, it's like a nice send-off. You get this big family moment at the end of it where they're like, kind of like in the hospital where, where Murtoff's daughter has just had a kid and it's um, you know they have like this big family moment where they take a picture. And it, is, it feels like a send-off to the franchise, which I think is a really good good franchise of the four movies that they give us in the lethal weapon this time around basically riggs and murtoff who are these cops 
who are taking on the triads, the Chinese triad gangs. And you've got Jet Li in there, who's, you know, famous martial art actor, um, really great before, like really decent performance in this Jet Li. Um, he is the villain of the piece, really, in this one. And it's a, it's a really good movie. You know, another, I, I, I don't think it's like the worst. It, I, always in the, I've, I've, I think just that I've watched the first and second one way more, more more times than the other two movies but the first and second movie are definitely my favorites but the fourth one like i said it's a decent send-off really good if you like the, all the lethal weapon movies you'll like this one if you like action 80s action you will like lethal weapon 4 uh even though it was a 90s movie it's a really decent watch uh what i will say is interesting as well when i talk about like the final send-off to this movie there's been so much talk recently of them doing a lethal weapon 5 and I kind of like the fan of me, the Lethal Weapon fan of me would want would want to see a Lethal Weapon five, but then I think are they just is it just a step too far? This this movie felt like this was like the last the end in the road. This was the final piece to the puzzle. It felt like if they'd done it anymore, it would be a bit of a cash cow. They were just doing it for the money, and I kind of feel like that with a Lethal Weapon five. So apparently now. We're up to a point where HBO Max have apparently give the green light to uh, Lethal Weapon 5. Richard Donner was originally attached to attach to direct before he passed away recently. I think it was like last year or this year. And apparently now Mel Gibson, who is obviously a, a really acclaimed director in his own, own right, is apparently going to be stepping into the director's chair to star and direct in this movie. And I know they've done like the TV show spin-off as well, which is like a remake, a reboot of the t with the same characters, and that kind of fizzled out after like a season or two. Would I wonder what would I want to see though? I don't think I just don't think it'll work now. I think it's it's gone too far. I'm not saying they can't come up with a good story. And maybe they do, and maybe they prove a lot of people wrong, maybe myself included, that Lethal Weapon still has legs. Um, but I don't know. I think some things are better left to just, you know, let's leave them behind, let's focus on newer movies, newer franchises, and I feel like that way with Lethal Weapon, I feel like if they did another one now, it would just be a step too far, and Lethal Weapon 5 for me is not something I want to see, and, and I think it's one of these as well, where it's been greenlit, will it happen? Apparently the script has been put together, or it's being put together, but is it is it going to be filmed it's been talked about for years. I, it must be over five years now. It's been discussed. It's been it's been rumored, and they've had like I think when they had like a reunion a few years back, they were like it was all talk for a sequel and stuff like that, and it kind of fizzled out again. So maybe we don't see it. But uh, what I will say, the memory of Lethal Weapon is not tarnished by Lethal Weapon Four. Lethal Weapon Four is a really good movie in the franchise, and. For me, like I said, the perfect send-off to a really great bunch of characters here. Um, really enjoy this movie, and for a 1998 movie, it is solid. 10 out of 10, definitely well worth checking out. Uh, let's move on now to the final movie of today's headline topic, and the final movie, the final 1998 movie I want to discuss is Small Soldiers. That's right, Small Soldiers. Released in July of... Well, it was in, released in the US in July and in the UK in June of 1998. Now, basically, some of the notable names in Small Soldiers, you get Kirsten Dunst in there from Spider-Man fame. You've actually got, basically, the toys. That's a, 
I'll let's talk about the premise first of all of Small Soldiers. Premise of this movie is you get these two toy creators who get access to like all like the all like chips and stuff like that, like these super chips. And basically they they start this new toy line and you have like these soldier characters and these like good guy characters who are like these monsters. And they put these sort of like government government chips in these toys to make them talk. But it turns out the chips they put in them are like too high grade. The toys come to life and they go to this toy, get sent to this toy shop with this kid. And basically they stack the soldier ones, the villains of the piece. One of them, the leader, uh, Major Chip Hazard, is voiced by Tommy Lee, jo- Tom- Tommy Lee Jones. Can't get my words out properly here. And the, the leader of the good guys, Archer, is voiced by Skeletor himself, Frank Langella. And basically, the, the, the villainous toys just cause havoc in the town, in this toy shop. And then you see the, uh, the, led one, the ones led by Archer, the Frank Langella character, join up with the human character in this movie to take on the, the soldiers, the small soldiers, the villains of the piece. And it's just a really, really good movie. And... It's one word, like the CGI, still to this day, lives up for a 1998 movie. Because I, th- I think like some of the Star Wars, like Phantom Menace, it looks a bit bad, doesn't it, sometimes, the, the, the CGI. And you look at the, the CGI in this, I think it's really decent for the time, for a 1998 film, for a movie that is over 20 years old now. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Sure, it would be 10 times better today, I'm sure. But I think it is a really uh, a good effort for the time and really still is viewable now. But I think it's a really fun movie, this. It's just, you know, toys coming to life, causing havoc in the world, and now they've got to take on and take down the evil toys. Kind of like a Gremlins kind of vibe to this movie, I would say. Really enjoyable movie. One I would watch constantly as a kid growing up. Um, 1998 it was definitely a childhood movie for me. This movie, Small Soldiers. Remember having it on VHS originally, and now got it in on DVD behind me in the collection. It's one that I've definitely given a lot of road time to over the years. Watched it a good few times, and still to this day find it very enjoyable. Very enjoyable movie indeed. So Small Soldiers is, I think it's a you know perfect movie to end this topic of 1998 movies off with today. Um, some great movies in 1998. Like I said. I could easily discuss another, this could be a round two, a round three video of 1998 movies, some really cracking movies of that year. But these are just some of my favourites, some of the ones that I really enjoyed. And Small Soldiers, I, I think Small Soldiers and Truman Show, for sure, are, are my favourites out of this 1998 bunch I've discussed. They're really great movies. And I, I think 1998 has really given us some solid movie efforts over that year and some really treat for us cinema fans, definitely, for sure. But anyway, let's move on with the headline. That No, sorry, I'm not, let's not move on with the headline topic. Let's move on with the rest of the show, and let's move on to the next segment of today's show. It's time for the Movie Variant Showdown segment of the show. Are you ready?
Movie Variant Showdown. Each and every week, I choose a different representative of a movie property, whether it be a character, a movie, a case cover, a poster, whatever it may be, and I put it up against another variant of that representative. And today on the show on Movie Variant Showdown, I will be looking at the original 1994 Lion King movie, and put it against the variance here, and the variance is the 2019 live action remake. Um, so basically, let's let's start off here with the 1994 movie. Super special movie for me. I, I love this movie. The the music of Lion King, the story, the the animation. The animation is just wonderful to look at. It's just you no, know, especially during the the songs. You know when they're doing the songs. You know, it's really colourful, it's just bright, it's just really something that makes you happy to watch. It's really just really great an animation. As I said, the story is is great, the music is fantastic. I think the musical numbers are great, but then you've got the equally superb Hans Zimmer score as well in the fantastic. I think the voice cast is great. Uh, you know, Jeremy Irons as Scar is a notable one, he is superb. And you have James Earl Jones as Mufasa, equally fantastic. And um, just for me, a childhood classic movie, The Lion King. One I will always enjoy. I think it's a timeless classic for me. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of people would say that for for this Disney um, movie. Let's move, to, you know, to now to the live action remake. And I will say, this was one I was super excited to see and. Really, one I was really looking forward to for a while because I watched the the Jungle Book remake, really enjoyed that, and it was by John Favreau who was directing it again. He directed the Jungle Book one, so then we get this live action one, and it for me, it you know it was very you know basically the same story, same characters, same music, some some slightly different musical arrangements in there, I suppose, but basically an identical movie, but. It was lacking the character the of the original movie. Do you know the lions? I think the lions talking and sing and like singing and stuff like that. It just didn't didn't work for me. Especially the lions speaking to each other, all the animals. It just looked looked a bit odd. It looked a bit it didn't look right. It didn't like. I think Jungle Book done it a lot better. I think it, it gel. It worked better in Jungle Book for some reason. Here, I just didn't feel like it worked with the lions. Um. Like I said, it felt like it lost a lot of like life and character, especially with the musical numbers as well. Whereas the original movie had a lot of like colour and vibrancy around it, it just lacked all that. All that was stripped away. We didn't see any of it as much as we see in the original. And yeah, like I said, very similar story, very much the same story, but really just for me, it look, it's a stunning... Stunning piece of cinema what they've done. I think what they've done with it, it it's great to say. I think just like the advan advancement in cinema that they can do this sort of, sort of stuff is really good. And I think it does work with some movies. Like I said, Jungle Book, for me, it worked really well. But for the Lion King remake, it just didn't work. It just felt out of place. It didn't feel right. And it just wasn't for me as a fan of the original movie. Maybe it's because I'm such a big fan of the original. Maybe if you go into watching this, maybe like a kid now growing up who watches that that remake for the first time, the first incarnation of Lion King they watch, they love it, and they watch the original, maybe they don't like it as much. Um, I did that with the Aladdin one. I, I I really enjoyed the Aladdin remake, but I did like the 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 animated one as well. But 
Lion King, the OG 1994 release versus the Lion King 2019 remake, which wins on Movie Variant Showdown? For me, it's obvious. It's a 1994 Lion King movie. I think it is far superior, a much better movie, more fun, vibrancy. It's just a movie that I can watch and really enjoy and sink into. I can't do that with a remake. So today, 1994 Lion King wins through on Movie Variant Showdown. Next, let's now let's move on to movies for the weekend. Uh, so movies for the weekend this week. I have got I've got two choices as always, and I've got first of all this movie I want to discuss. This is Spinal Tap, the first movie that is um, going on my discussions today for movies for the weekend. Great, great comedy. Uh, I've done a recent video on this more recently, so a video upcoming on this will it'll be featuring in a, in a future video anyway. Uh, a fantastic comedy. They're going to be doing a sequel to this soon as well. They announced it that it's going to be going to HBO Max next year, I believe, and it's the whole original cast coming. I don't think it'll work. <laughs> I think, like with Dumb and Dumber, like when they do these remakes, these sequels, it never works out. I think leave this be... I'm happy with just one Spinal Tap movie, but it's a rockumentary uh, following this band on the road. It's a comedy, and it's some some of the best laugh-out laugh moments in this movie. For, for me, the best moments would be... Um, I love Stonehenge, the Stonehenge scene, where they're doing singing that song, and when he's like doing showing all these guitars to the director. That moment where he's showing the guitar and the amps. Amazing. Amazing. So that is this is Spinal Tap. And the second movie I want to dis discuss is The Living Daylights. Now, this is one I said last week on the show where I watched License to Kill, or I was going to watch it. Watched that this past week, really enjoyed it. And I want to give, this is the first movie in the Timothy Dalton um, series of James Bond movies. He's only done two. And I want to give this a bit more time because I watched it initially years ago and I didn't think much of it. So I want to give it a second chance because I give License to Kill a second chance and really enjoyed it. So I'm going to give The Living Daylight another go and check this out, see what I think of this movie. But yeah, they're my recommendations for this weekend, ladies and gents, for movies for the weekend. Let's move on now with the rest of the show. The Amazon Top 10 is approaching. Prepare yourself. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Amazon Top 10 has arrived. So the Amazon top 10 for physical media sales on amazon.co.uk, the best sellers list for this week in DVDs, Blu-rays and 4Ks. Let's see that top 10 list for this week. So first of all, we got a 10, number 10, the Downton Abbey, a new era movie on DVD. That is at number 10 in the Amazon top 10. At number nine, we have the Police Story 4K Ultra um, 4K release of the Police Story trilogy. Uh, that's the uh, I think it's the Jackie Chan movie. I've seen a trailer for that. I think it's, is it an Arrow release or uh, Kino Lorber? I'm not too sure. I think it might be. I don't think it's Arrow. I think it's Kino Lorber. Is it Kino Lorber? I, I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, that's at number nine. The at number eight we have No Time to Die, the DVD release. 
And number seven is the Blu-ray of Spider-Man No Way Home. And number six is the Batman, that is the Blu-ray of the Batman. And number five is the DVD release of Uncharted. And number four is the DVD release of Spider-Man No Way Home. And number three is Disney's Encanto on DVD. And number two is Belfast on DVD. And at number one, still top of the Amazon Top 10, the movie Sing 2 on DVD. That is it. The top of the Amazon top 10 still. Uh, but anyway, let's move on now with the next part of the show. Next part of the show is movie of the month. Uh, each every month, each and every month, I give you my movie of the month. And this could be a new movie, an old movie, something I've been watching recently. And one I have watched this month, the month of May 2022, is the movie Uncharted, the uh, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg adventure movie, treasure hunting adventure movie, I should say. Uh, basically, it's based on the video game series of the same name. And I have had a lot of fun watching this movie. I think it was a really great movie. As a fan of the National Treasure movies, Indiana Jones, it's got them vibes in it. Definitely the National Treasure vibes. So it's a really good, fun movie for the whole family. One everyone can enjoy. I watched it. I thought it was great. I really was surprised how much I enjoyed that. I didn't think... Because some, some of the video game movies can be hit and miss. I do think they're getting better now. I think in recent years, video game movies have improved massively. And this one, Uncharted, was a movie I really enjoyed. So that is my movie of the month for May 2022. Uh, let's move on to what's been on the screen. Uh, discussing what I've been watching this past week on my screen, ladies and gents. Let's see what I've been what I've been watching. Well, I will say I have been watching this. Hello there. Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show debuted two episodes this Friday on Disney Plus, and I've watched the two episodes now. Uh, I will say spoilers ahead for Obi-Wan Kenobi, them first two episodes. I will go into spoilers. So from spoiler warning in five, four, three, two, one. Spoilers ahead for Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you've not watched it by now, turn off this show, come back at a late point because I want to get into detail with this. So... Basically, the setup of these first two episodes, it's like 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan Kenobi is watching upon a young Luke Skywalker. And, you know, this is set, obviously, a good few years before A New Hope. But what really surprised me is this story really takes place and really takes, you know, a, a big look at the character of Leia Organa, the, the young Leia Organa. So you've got like a 10-year-old Leia, Princess Leia, and she gets taken by these pirates who, basically, you've got these Inquisitors characters. The Inquisitors are former Jedi turned to the dark side to work for the Sith. And they're going, basically, they're going around, they're Jedi hunters. And I know these characters are featured in the Star Wars animated shows, but I don't really know much about them. But basically, you have three of them, like, of this brotherhood of these Inquisitors. And one of them, this character called Reaver, is so obsessed with hunting down Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's obsessed with it. And basically, she sets up the kidnap of Princess Leia, this young Princess Leia, who I think is a really good... Uh, the the child actress who plays her is, is superb in the role, really good in the role. Uh, she gets kidnapped, and then you get a message from her adoptive mother and father to Obi-Wan to try and get him out of hiding to rescue her daughter. And he's reluctant at first... 
and he kind of like doesn't want to do it and he says no and then he decides he goes to work he's working a day job this is one thing we learned about obi-wan kenobi obi-wan kenobi steals meat from the butchers <laughs> obi-wan kenobi now works at a butcher shop basically in a galaxy far far away and he steals meat to give to his like his uh his, his animal that like he, he rides around on um, I thought that was pretty funny. He just robs meat every day. He just goes and carves out some meat and puts it down his his apron. But then he so basically he comes, he gets like sick of like every day and he decides, you know what, I'm gonna try and become the old Obi-Wan Kenobi again and go out of hide and try and rescue Princess Leia. And these first two episodes, uh he basically at the end of it he does rescue her, and it's kind of like we get that end teaser of of Darth Vader in the tank, and he's all scarred of Hayden Christensen playing that role, which is great. So obviously we're gonna get Darth Vader maybe in the next episode in like full armor. But it's 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 one. It's only six episodes, but I really enjoyed these first two episodes. I think they were really good. Uh, it looked great on screen. I think it was great seeing Hugh, Hugh McGregor again. I think I said in what I've seen of the trailers, his voice has definitely changed. It's like he's his voice sounds older more mature and it feels like he's doing a more i think he's always like he's always said this he's always doing an, an impression of alec guinness's version of obi-wan which i really like but i do feel like it was watching it it was getting closer and closer now this performance particularly to to alec guinness and i really enjoyed that and i think it was really good that he, like you mcgregor has put that you know a, a lot of effort into that performance to get it right for this role but i really enjoyed the first two episodes it really made me I, I enjoyed the Boba Fett TV show, and I think it was good. I think it was just the only problem with that is it was just so the the in between episodes, which I think everyone is aware of now. If you not watch them, it kind of went off the main story of Boba Fett, and I think it really damaged that show in a way. But it was still enjoyable. Uh, for this, I feel like they're going to stick to this sole story of Obi Wan, Princess Leia, and him. You know coming face to face because he learns in this story that Anakin is still alive he thinks he's dead and Reva this inquisitor who's obsessed with him she you know she lets out the you know lets it out that he's still alive Lord Vader wants to see him and you can see him like really nervous this guy he's like having a panic attack and it's it's really good to see like this this performance and seeing this guy who he's like he's scared of the past he's He's fearful of the past. He doesn't want these two kids, Luke and Leia, to be to be damaged the way Anakin was. And he feels like he let Anakin down. And you can see it with him. And you can see him also... I, I love a little cameo from um, Tamara Morrison as well in this. as like a veteran of the clones, a clone veteran. That was really cool to see when he was in this episode too. But you see, I think this is building up to a Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon Jinn cameo at some point as a force ghost with Liam Neeson returning it feels like it was from the first episode from the word go he's kind of like looking for Qui-Gon Jinn for guidance and it feels like it's maybe it's too on the nose but I feel like if they're promising it and they're kind of like teasing it too much it would be disappointing now for for Star Wars fans if they didn't give us that performance of Liam Neeson returning as a force ghost so I think we will see him at some point in some maybe it'll be only be like at the end of the show for a brief moment, but I think that would be nice to see. I think just to kind of like tie it all up with them prequel movies. But I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to episode three now. I wish, really do wish they would have give us all the episodes. But I think it's again I've said this before. We're 
it's the whole point of it. You know, they want us to to talk about it and discuss it online and you know build you know that excitement for the next episode. So I I really understand why why Disney Plus does this, but a really solid effort for a show initially that I wasn't like super pumped for. I was thinking, ah, oh, I don't know, maybe this it's just too much, too much Obi Wan Kenobi. But I will say I really enjoyed it. I think it is a really solid effort. Definitely for me, above the Boba Fett TV show, on par with Mandalorian so far from these two episodes. Really solid Star Wars show, and I can't wait to see more of this season, so it'll be fun to see, but really enjoy that. I will say one last thing, uh, what's been on the screen this past week, the new trailer for Four Love and Thunder dropped this past week. It's a, a newer trailer where we got to see Christian Bale as Gore, the, the God Butcher, and I'll be honest, I enjoyed the first trailer. I thought the first trailer was a lot better. I think the use of the song Sweet Child of Mine was used in both versions, but I think the version in the first trailer was a lot better, and I feel like it was a bit more of a fun trailer. It was good, though, to see Christian Bale as God the God Butcher, and I'm kind of at this point now with, with the trailers where I feel like I've seen enough now, and this is where the Doctor Strange got me, where it was like they were showing way too much, and Feels like they shown like Russell Crowe in this this trailer. I feel like they should have just left it, not showed him in this. And it feels like they they show too much sometimes. So I'm not going to be watching any more trailers. But it was good to see Christian Bale on screen. I love them sort of like the black and white shots of Thor and Christian Bale's character of Gore when they're obviously doing some sort of like meetup or a fight scene. That looked amazing. It looked really cool, like a Sin City vibe to it. I really like that. So I'm really looking forward to that movie. I think it's going to be a great movie to see. I just wish they wouldn't show us too much in the trailers. They they show way too much now, and I suppose you don't have to watch it. But you can get you go on YouTube, stuff gets spoiled, doesn't it? You get you see so much stuff online, and it's just like sometimes you just want to go in there with not knowing too much about the movie. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great watch either way. But anyway, that is uh, another show over and done with. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, please do give it a like and check out the rest of the movie-related content on the channel. If you've been watching this on YouTube, please do leave a comment as well. If you've been listening to this via a podcast app of your choice, please do leave a five-star review and make sure you subscribe to the podcast via your podcast app as well. All your support helps the channel to grow and the Movie Cheer podcast community to grow even further. Let me know your thoughts on today's topics of today's show, the 1998 movies. Which of these movies did you enjoy? What are your favourite movies from 1998? Uh, Let me know your thoughts also on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Did you enjoy the first two episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show? I sure did. Let me know all your thoughts, ladies and gents. Remember to spread a bit of movie cheer. Thank you very much for watching, and I will see you next time.